In the early weeks of Advent, we were focusing especially upon the second coming of our Lord, awakening again our desire for all of the wonderful, amazing fulfillments that he will bring when he comes, and also focusing on preparing ourselves to be ready to welcome him. Once we reach December 17th each year, the liturgy turns our attention to focus now upon the events that led up directly to our Lord's birth in his first coming. And so on the fourth Sunday of Advent, in our three-year lectionary cycle, we are directed each year to one person, focusing in upon how our Lord's approaching birth affected that person. So in one year, we are directed to look upon the Virgin Mary as she was visited by the angel Gabriel. In another year, it's Saint Joseph as he learned about Mary's pregnancy. And in this year, it is Saint Elizabeth, Mary's relative whom she visited in the visitation that we look upon. So we consider Elizabeth this year Elizabeth was married to Zechariah. They lived in the hill country of Judah. This is traditionally located in a town called Ein Karem, which was just several miles to the west of Jerusalem, now part of its metro area. If you travel there, you can visit the Church of St. John the Baptist's location of his birthplace, and also the Church of the Visitation. Elizabeth was married to a priest, and was also the daughter of priests. That might sound strange in our ears, but we need to remember that the way the priesthood was set up in the old covenant with the people of Israel was completely different than now. Rather than being an individual call, or call, God called one priest and another priest separately, instead it was a family thing. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, it was one of those tribes, the tribe of Levi. And out of that tribe, it was specifically all those men who were descended from Aaron, Moses' brother. And so it was that in, earlier in this chapter in the Gospel of Luke, we heard how Elizabeth was a daughter of the sons of Aaron. She had come from a priestly family, and now she was married to Zechariah. And they lived near Jerusalem, and there were so many descendants of Aaron at that point that they were divided into divisions, and Zechariah only needed to serve in the temple about two weeks each year. Now, we're going to consider three things about Elizabeth that we want to notice about her, and that where we may find some points of connection with ourselves. The first has to do with the sort of people that she and Zechariah were. There's a term that comes out of the Hebrew of the Old Testament that you might sometimes hear, which is the anawim, which literally simply means the poor, the poor ones. But especially from some of its usages in the Old Testament, it came to mean more. The Lord's poor, the poor of the Lord. And so it wasn't simply physically, materially poor, but these were people who were fundamentally humble. They sought to be kind and gentle in their dealings with others. They were just. They followed the Lord's law. They trusted him. They were faithful. They were reverent. 
These were people who were presents in Israel in the first century. And we might think of them in contrast to other groups that we sometimes hear about in the Gospels. These were not the power structure in Jerusalem. They were not the Pharisees trying very publicly to follow every bit of the law. They were not the Hellenists, the ones who wanted to adapt and, and adopt every form of Greek culture. Nor were they the sinners, those who publicly were not following some aspect of the law. We hear about all of these people. We almost have to pay attention to notice the Anawim because they were more quiet. They were just living good, faithful, kind, gentle lives seeking to live the way that God wanted them to. Perhaps this sounds like you or like people that you know. This included Elizabeth and Zachariah. But another part of their lives had been a great sorrow. For as we read earlier in this chapter, they had never been able to have children and they had come to the point where they were beyond the age where they could ever have any. We know that this is something very painful for people today when couples desire to have children and are not able to. But all the more so for people of their time because their culture so emphasized having children in a family. And probably people had thought or even said to them that God must be punishing them for some sin because they had not been able to have children. And so we know that Zachariah and Elizabeth had borne this all of their lives, quietly, as they continued to try to live in a good and kind and reverent way. This then is the first thing we notice, the kind of person that she was, one of the Anawim, one of the quiet, faithful, kind ones. The second thing we notice is the blessings that she received. For earlier in this chapter, we heard about how the angel Gabriel visited her husband, Zechariah, while he was serving in the temple and declared to, her, to him that they would, in fact, now miraculously conceive a child, a son, and that he would be a great prophet. As he implied in his description of what he would do, they would be preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah who they've been waiting for for so long. And indeed, this is what happened. And at the point of this visit is now six months into her pregnancy. And how amazed she must have been that after all this time that she should receive such a blessing to be going to have a child, not only a child, but to have miraculously conceived in her old age as had several others in the history of Israel through the special action of the Lord. And that her son, would be preparing the way for the Messiah who would be coming after him. All of this must have seemed like blessing beyond her wildest imagination. And then, as we heard in this gospel reading, arrives her young relative, probably maybe about 14 years old, Mary, who had lived up in the north in Galilee. And as she walks in and greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth and also her son within her are filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly she knows some things that she could not possibly have known naturally. One, she knows that Mary is pregnant. 
probably only a week pregnant at this point. And secondly, she knows that the baby in Mary's womb is her Lord. Now at this point, it could have been possible for who to have reacted with envy and jealousy, to have thought, oh, all this stuff I received, wow, well now I know it's nothing. And to look at this as a threat. We know that this is how King Herod would react. As soon as the Magi arrived and spoke to him about the newborn king of the Jews, his resolution was, I'm going to go and kill this new king so that he is no threat to me. But notice that's not how Elizabeth reacted. No envy, no jealousy. The blessing that Mary had received was no threat to hers. Instead, it was added on. Unbelievably, on top of the blessing she'd received, now she'd received even more. The gift Mary received was a gift to her as well. And so we heard her exclaim, How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Messiah was right there in the womb, in the body he had just taken on in the womb of the Virgin Mary, as we heard in the second reading. There he was, and she was blessed beyond belief. Thirdly, we also notice how she then was a blessing to Mary. We might wonder, what blessing could Mary possibly have needed? Well, Mary, perhaps a week before, had been visited by the angel, had been addressed in a way that didn't make sense to her so reverently. Who was she? She had been told about the baby who could see miraculously within her. And who could she talk to about this? Who would understand? Could she have even been quite sure of what had happened or what was coming? But she went to visit Elizabeth and consider what she received from Elizabeth. Because of the Holy Spirit speaking to Elizabeth and Elizabeth repeating this out loud, from a completely separate source, she now had confirmation that she was pregnant and the baby within her was the Son of God. Elizabeth knew. And Elizabeth also received a similar blessing. What a gift this must have been to Mary. And we heard even those words of encouragement that Elizabeth said, blessed are you who believed. Mary probably needed to hear those words right then. How much they must have shared during those three months they spent together. Mary surely helping Elizabeth in those final months of her pregnancy, but Elizabeth probably helping Mary a great deal as well. Elizabeth was a great blessing to Mary. This then is the effect upon Elizabeth during these months leading up to the birth of our Lord Jesus. This is what his coming birth did for her. So how about us? Perhaps there's something about her that you identify with. Perhaps you feel that you have sought to be good, quietly, being kind to others, following the Lord. Or perhaps you have felt sorrow like she felt, or accused like she may have been. Secondly, in these days ahead, 
as we approach the celebration of our birth of our Lord. What blessings have you received already? Or what blessings may the Lord have for you? The birth of our Lord was an extraordinary event that changed history and changed our lives. Be on the lookout for the blessings the Lord will have for you, including from unexpected sources, including gifts that he has given to others to be given on to you. And third, it works the other way around too, doesn't it? Look for who he wants you to pass gifts on to of all kinds, including love and encouragement. This was the effect upon Elizabeth as the birth of our Lord Jesus approached. May we be close to her, united in heart, as we too approach the celebration of that birth.